Welcome to the Side Hustle to Small Business podcast powered by Hiscox. I'm your host, Sanjay Parekh. Throughout my career, I've had side hustles, some of which have turned into real businesses. But first and foremost, I'm a serial technology entrepreneur. In the creator space, we hear plenty of advice on how to hustle harder and why you can sleep when you're dead. On this show, we ask new questions in hopes of getting new answers. Questions like, how can small businesses work smarter? How do you achieve balance between work and family? How can we redefine success in our businesses so that we don't burn out after year three? Every week, I sit down with business founders at various stages of their side hustle to small business journey. These entrepreneurs are pushing the envelope while keeping their values. Keep listening for conversation, context, and camaraderie. Today, I'm sitting down with Daniel Roberts, who is the founder of Vidloft and previously founder of Friendly Human. Uh, We've known each other for a lot, a lot of years now at this point, Um, but I'd love for you to start by giving a couple of minutes about your background and what got you to where you are now. Yeah, absolutely. Um, You know, I kind of grew up, my undergrad's in computer science, but I paid my way through school uh, doing lighting and then directing for TV and got to the end of it and like, Oh, this is this like video stuff's kind of more fun than spending the rest of my life in a network closet somewhere. Um, so I was doing that. I was working at a church actually at the time and um, doing all their like media kind of stuff. It was a pretty big church, and we just installed a fifty foot screen. Um, and so like you know projecting the words and stuff on. And uh, there was this moment where we um, like you know you're trying to find like HD footage back then, and there wasn't any. So kind of as a side hustle, I started. Uh, recording it myself, and I'd just go out on the weekends and shoot it, and eventually kind of decided that was going to be my full-time job. Uh, I got laid off in 2008, like the whole creative team. The church got wiped out in one weekend. So I was like, okay, I got to build this company, and I started accepting video projects on the side, and that's where Friendly Human came from. Okay. Um, Was trying to uh, build something that I definitely didn't have the capital for to actually do the the video backgrounds, but uh, yeah, I was able to um, start a pretty good video services business. So uh, so four years learning computer science, never did that a day in your life? Is that what I'm understanding? Not until Vidloft. Um, it's been good to kind of get to reuse that. And there was uh-huh. definitely, there's so much. Um, I see the whole world as an optimization problem. Uh-huh. And so uh, I love that kind of quality. Um, and we definitely, at Friendly Human, were able to build really robust technology on the back end that made our lives easier. But nothing... Um, I'm I'm a terrible developer. I'm like the world's worst developer. Um, I might have exchanged some uh, Linux admin classes for some uh, development classes and call it. <laughs> like, hey, I'll, I'll keep your server running if you keep my code looking good for the professor. <laughs> but um, yeah, it uh, it's yeah, never really got to use that until now. Yeah, and what about the the video side, photography side? Self-taught, or did you take classes, or how did you get it? Uh, my uncle had been a newspaper photographer. And so one of my very first memories was him teaching me how to use a manual SLR camera. Okay. Um, focusing on the edge of the TV, I remember the split glass. Uh, by the time I was nine, I could process um, black and white and color film. And then uh, started working kind of in that at like 14. There was a guy we knew that ran a studio and he didn't know the going rate for a high school student and I didn't know the going rate for a camera op. So we were both pretty happy. <laughs> <laughs> I got it. So, um, okay, so you, you figured this out, uh, figured out that uh, video uh, was going to be your thing. Uh, mm-hmm. You worked for a while, 2008, you start your own thing mm-hmm. because of being laid off 
What was that like? Like, first of all, I, I, by the way, I love the name Friendly Human. I've always loved the name. Um, how did you come up with the name, by the way, Friendly Human? So I got, I was getting married in October 2008. Uh-huh. And uh, my wife was moving here from out of town. So she'd give a notice on her job. And then I got laid off two weeks before the wedding. Right. Um, and so I needed a job. And I went to work with this small video startup um, that I'd kind of been warned about. I'd worked with the director some. And, uh, but I'm like, I can get along with anybody. Like, how hard can this be? It turns out really hard. <laughs> um, and I can't get along with everybody. So after six months there trying to make that work, I just realized I was shooting and um, doing sales and maintaining the website and like all these things. And I was like, right. well, I'll do this for myself. Yeah. Um, and that department was anything but friendly or human. So I said, <laughs> um, I always loved the book, uh, How to Win Friends and Influence People. Okay. And I think I just reread that and stuff. And so kind of somewhere within that, uh, I remember I was on 75 driving through the connector and, uh, and stop and go traffic. And at one of the stops, I uh, was like, oh, domain's available. I'll do that. <laughs> that's where it came from. So buying domains while you're driving traffic, uh, that's it not, was legal not back recommended, then. but uh, worked for you It was there. a different time. <laughs> was, was Friendly Human the first time you'd ever started a side hustle or small business? Or did you do entrepreneurial oh, goodness, things no. when you were younger? Yeah, I mean, you know, snow cone stands. And um, I think the first thing, my dad was uh, somewhat self-employed, and uh, so I did a lemonade stand at his office when I was like six. Yeah. Um, it was probably my first real venture. But yeah, it. Uh, I just, I never, I've never had like a real job. <laughs> um, yeah. Even the church thing was kind of part-time. And, yeah. Um, I think there's just so many ways to make money, um, especially now. Yeah. Um, that you don't have to um, go that route if you don't want to. So when you were doing the the church thing, were you doing, since it was part-time, were you side hustling as well at that time? I was in grad school at the time as well. Got it. Um, I thought I was going to be a minister. And um, so I have about 80 hours of a MDiv degree. But okay. kind of realized through that, that that was more my parents' vision for me than my own. Um, was yeah. my way to change the world. So yeah, uh, it was hard to drop out of that. Um, but glad I did. Yeah. Um, okay, let's focus in on, on Friendly Human. So you got started. It's just you in the beginning. Um, what were your challenges? What what oh, made man. you nervous about doing this? So when we kind of lost our jobs and all that, um, after we got married, we ended up moving and my parents had like an apartment in their basement. So moved back home. That was terrible. Um, <laughs> I was grateful for it, but uh, not not an ideal situation when you just get married. And um, I remember we had $3,700 in our bank account and the Canon 5D Mark II had just come out and it was $3,400. Yeah. And I was like, I think this camera is going to change the world. Right. And it has. I mean, the things we're recording this on today are, you know, kind of the grandchildren of that camera. And uh, my wife was like, go for it. And so I spent almost everything we had. And a friend had given me a microphone and I had lenses from still photography and stuff that I was yeah. able to use with it. And we just made a go for it. Um, made uh, that first uh, year, we made $18,000. Okay. Um, I did not know what I was doing. I didn't have any contacts or anything. It was terrible. Um, next year we made 30 and then uh, just kind of kept doubling from there. Okay. Um, so, so that first up. year, the, the expenses were like three to $4,000 for the equipment. Oh yeah. But, but you made I mean, it was just the first, like those first few years, it was probably a third of it was going back into equipment and all that kind of stuff. Right. Um, yeah. We moved, moved when we moved to the city, then things got a lot easier. Yeah. Um, a year later. And so at what point did you start hiring people and start growing the team beyond just you being the sole person? Yeah. So in 2012, um, 
I was getting too much work that I couldn't edit at all and that kind of stuff. And I don't really enjoy editing as much. Um, and so I hired an assistant then. And then really in uh, January 2013, we moved in the Atlanta Tech Village the first week it opened. And uh, and kind of through, I uh, was a friend of a friend, was uh, starting it. And my friend came to me and was like, hey, you need to be in this place. And so we did that. And kind of, I think just being around that environment, one gave like, uh, you know, where you are uh, in the market <laughs> uh, really yeah. matters. Like, the, you know, if you're selling hot dogs, the best place you can be is outside of a stadium when it lets out and everyone's hungry, you know, like if, you, if <laughs> right. people are hungry for what you want. And so I think like being in the tech village, there was this demand to grow, but then also you just kind of get more influenced by, oh, all these people are growing their business. They're not like solopreneur, right. you know, uh, one-off um, side hustle freelance kind of things. And so I was like, oh, I can actually like build this into a real business. Yeah. And so, yeah, we went, um, that first, uh, we moved in in January, um, hired our first person, our first extra person in February, March. And then uh, Nick, who still works with me today, um, came on full-time in May. Yeah. So. so do you feel like that move into a new space, being around that energy was really the thing that drove the business then at that point? Um, or would that have naturally happened if you'd been somewhere else? I think it accelerated it for sure. Okay. Um, yeah, I wasn't exposed. I was always exposed to like uh, that sort of, I joke that I'm a, like a, uh, uh, first-generation immigrant from South Georgia. Um, <laughs> like my dad was born in the Great Depression on a tobacco farm um, in South Georgia. And so, like, I was definitely, like, always given that, like, hustle and, like, education's important and working hard's important and that kind of stuff. Um, but was never exposed to the how to actually start your own business um, and grow yeah. it and think about it and stuff. Yeah. And so how is it that you figured that out for yourself? Um, books. Uh, books. Audible.com. Yeah. Uh, Audible.com. So okay. I'm off the chart, just like a super slow reader, yeah. but being able to, I can listen to a book at two or three times speed. And so, uh, right after I quit grad school, my mom gave me a subscription to Audible for Christmas that year. Nice. And so I've got about 700 business books okay. um, in there over the years. And I would just do about, back then I was doing, uh, one a week. It was yeah. kind of my, my, it was like going to the gym. And uh, <laughs> a lot of duds, uh, but some that are actually valuable. And you can learn so much about uh, whatever topic you need to. Yeah. So along that path uh, of building up Friendly Human, and so you started in 2008. When did you exit from Friendly Human? Uh, the end of 2021. 2021. So yeah. a 13-year run. Yeah. So COVID human. just, we were, uh, you know, around, like we were obviously working with a lot of like tech startups um, in, that, in the tech village days. But we soon kind of scaled into enterprise because, uh, you know, it's great. Like your average startups, like super fun to work with, but they may need a video once or twice a year. Home Depot needs like five a week. Right. And so, um, we're traveling all over the place. We're about 15 people, um, doing about a million and a half in revenue. And then COVID hits and like, we didn't do a shoot. Thankfully we diversified some into digital, but, um, we didn't do a shoot for 11 months. Wow. Um, and just all of our big clients had restrictions on people being in the same room together and travel and contractors couldn't travel and all this. So, um, that was kind of an interesting time spent 2021, uh, kind of building that back up enough where I could sell it off. Yeah. Um, so during that time, the 13 years, what, what was it that, uh, I'm sure you had many, many challenges. Can you remember like, what was the top thing that made you nervous or, or concerned during those 13 years? I think cash flow and not understanding how to manage it back then okay. led to several 
like very tense situations. Yeah. Um, I remember one time I was, uh, we had $200,000 in uh, accounts receivable and I'm sitting outside Pond City Market trying to figure out what to do because we've got $583 in the bank account and payroll is like 30 grand. Mm-hmm. And I had like, you know, nine days or something <laughs> to come up with it. And yeah. um, I think it created like one of my biggest regrets uh, from that time is not taking better care of my health um, during it. Because I think like all that stress just led to so um, so many effects over the years that I've spent the last you know few years kind of straightening out. Right. Um, with some really good doctors. But yeah, it's like, I think it's easy to kind of like not know something that you don't know you don't know, like cash flow in this case and how to manage it. Right. And then that leads to stress, which leads to like poor health and right. this is kind of compounding thing. And you're like, how did I get here? Yeah. And it's because like this one little simple thing, if yeah. you've only known. That, that you didn't manage well, that then just kind of yeah. created this boulder going down the hill. Um, so the, the cash flow issue there, I, I think, you know, we hear about that. We see that a lot of times. Mm-hmm. What was your issue that your clients were paying net 30, net 60, whatever, and you had bills ever do? What was the issue that caused that situation? So in that moment, what I saw as being the issue was that people were two months late on spending and giving us money that they owed us and we thought it was coming in and for work that. that you'd already done, I imagine. Yeah. Yeah. yeah the, Names will be anonymous to protect, anonymous to protect the guilty, but, um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, it was like these are large organizations. Like they should, the money should come in, um, and then when it doesn't, that's what you see as the problem. Looking back, um, our cost structure wasn't was was unhealthy, and so like yeah, like it sucks when you're expecting two hundred grand and you don't have it. Right. Uh, anytime. <laughs> but at the same time, like if you're running a healthy business, you have uh, the resources in place to kind of weather those storms way easier. Right. And so um, it was actually um, after I'd sold for the human, uh, I saw someone draw a graph one time of like, you know, it's peaks and valleys. Um, and really you should be staffing just to like at the valley level. Right. Um, and I was staffing like two thirds way up the peak and we hardly ever use contractors. And so yeah. uh, then you end up with a lot of people sitting around doing nothing for a lot of the time that you're paying. Right. Um, and when you do get more work, you don't have the money to buy the contractors necessarily. So people are working overtime and it's like feast or famine. Right. And like if you just staff at that bottom level and contract the rest of it, like life's wonderful. Uh, yeah. You're making more money. Your employees aren't stressed. They're just working a consistent amount. Right. They always have work. Yeah. Kind of so so let's uh, kind of skip forward then. Um, you exit out of Friendly Human, mm-hmm. and then you started Vidloft. Explain what Vidloft is exactly. Vidloft, at Vidloft, we provide um, the gear, the training, and the strategy, and so our customers can shoot video wherever and whenever they want to. Um, really easy little cameras to use, and then they upload it to our app, and our professional editors turn it around in 24 hours for about a tenth of the cost. Okay. And so that's been uh, just fun to have this like technology, really in technology enabled um, way to make video. So, uh, so kind of the innovation here for you on the business side then is getting rid of the people that are actually shooting the video. So you got that labor cost out of the equation, mm-hmm. and then you're still just doing the editing on the back end. Is that the somewhat? Is that the idea? Um, so we offer you know Vidloft professional services where you can have a shooter come out and like okay. actually shoot it and stuff. But the real kind of secret sauce of Vidloft is um, basically I don't know if you remember. Like when we were kids, uh, you go to like Wolf Camera somewhere and there's this big like copy machine looking thing 
Um, the film goes in one end and prints come out the other and the automatic film processor. Right. Basically invented that for video in the cloud. So things that used to take a day for an editor to uh, come back and, you know, ingest and transcode footage and all that now happen in about five minutes um, in AWS. Okay. And an editor from anywhere in the world can download it and start working on it. Okay. So you've built a whole backend uh, mm -hmm. for Vidloft that does, automates a lot of the things that used to be manual. Exactly. So like okay. uh, you're able to like, the nice thing is you're able to attract better editing talent because they're not doing all the like manual kind of minutia work. Right. Um, they're just able to like jump in, start being creative, and you're getting your best bang for your buck um, with really high quality editors. Got it. So um, what is it that, uh, I mean, besides kind of the main business model, mm -hmm. what were the lessons from Friendly Human that you took forward to Vidloft to make mm -hmm. it a better business than what you had before? Oh, I love that. Um, the... Uh, one of the cool things with Vidloft, I'm, uh, I, I still haven't figured out how to talk about this um, without feeling embarrassed, but uh, I got to do a course at Harvard Business School, which having dropped out before and kind of the shame that came with that in my family um, uh, was really validating. But uh, one of the things one of the professors said there is uh, so often like people start their first business with passion and your second business with intention. And with Friendly Human, it was like I learned... We produced over 10,000 pieces of content and it took that time to learn how to make video. Um, and like, now I just know how. And so it was able to like, look at it and say like, what are those constraints? What are those things that I don't like about the process? I hate when a video is done, but it just hasn't been delivered to the client. Um, you know, and somebody dropped the ball on project management or delivery or something like that. And it's like, okay, well, let's create an app that just manages this stuff and editor puts it in, hits the button, I'm done, and it automatically gets delivered. Like, we can, we can automate that. And right. I'd automate brushing my teeth if I could. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I, I love that kind of automation, just optimizing those things. Um, on the personal side, one of the things I wanted to automate or uh, optimize was my ability to do it from wherever. Um, so since starting Vidloft, um, right after sold from the humans accounts, then... Uh, my wife and I went to uh, Minnesota for a month okay. in the wintertime because she hadn't really experienced winter. Um, and uh, <laughs> I, I ski, skating and skiing and all that. And then uh, last fall, we went to Seattle for six weeks um, and kind of worked from there and stuff. So uh, just being able to kind of do it from wherever was fun. Yeah. So, so this whole kind of shift has unchained you from being in one location as well then. Exactly. And I just, like, I love being here. I love coming into the office and I like the routine and that kind of stuff, but also it's nice to be able to kind of work from everywhere. Support for this podcast comes from Hiscox, committed to helping small businesses protect their dreams since 1901. Quotes and information on customized insurance for specific risks are available at Hiscox.com. Hiscox, the business insurance experts. So, um, okay, let's talk about Vidloft now. So, um, got a new company. It's been a few years. Um, what are the challenges that now you're dealing with with Vidloft, which obviously are, are probably higher class problems than what you dealt, dealt with Friendly Human? Oh, that's a great question. Um, definitely still trying to figure out, um, I guess, product market fit okay. and the most um, optimized area for that. So, uh, when I started it, I'm like, hey, we've got this like low cost video. Now everything that I've been doing for you know the enterprise companies of the world and Fortune 500s I can do for smaller businesses, and we do have a lot of small businesses that use Vidloft. But what I'm learning is where our niche is lying is in uh, multi-location 
companies. So um, one of our customers has, you know, 155 offices um, around the country in the uh, fire, fire suppression space, and they're able to mail out kits to different places. And, uh, you know, so no travel costs, any of that, and just like have them self-shoot. But all that footage still comes through the home office and able to manage quality and all that kind of stuff. Right. Um, so. And were these, so these clients that you're dealing with with Vidloft, is there any crossover from the ones that you dealt with with Friendly Human? Or is this um, is a different set of clients I kept completely? a couple. So I sold off the way, I wanted to retain the name for Friendly Human because I've got some ideas down the road with that. Okay. Um, and really, uh, I, I didn't want to be acquired was the other thing. I wanted my freedom. So um, right. with that, I, what I ended up doing is selling off our accounts uh, with that. But I retained a couple that I really either have been super loyal over the years or um, I just find it interesting. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, um, and so we've successfully transitioned those um, over the last couple of years. So they were receptive to this, this kind of change in model. You know, they were used mm -hmm. to you showing up before in person and now <laughs> less Well, so. it's easy when you go, here's what you spent for the last four years on right. 24 videos with us. Uh, you know, here's this, it's an 82% savings uh, and you still have two thirds of your credits remaining. <laughs> right. Um, Andrew, uh, you know, uh, like um, not polluting the planet as much with all the travel and stuff. Yeah. We figured out uh, for one of our clients, uh, Nick did the math on uh, what they, uh, the amount of uh, CO2 uh, that they we'd go through in a year flying around shooting all this stuff. You could leave our camera uh, or lighting kit on uh, since the time Abraham Lincoln was alive. <laughs> it's like less <laughs> than, than that. So I think like just being able to like mail a kit is so much more efficient. Right. Seems like a good trade off. Um, okay. Let's change gears a little bit. You touched on um, health and kind of the effects of that. Uh, how do you now? Think about those things. Think about stress and managing those in terms of the business and yourself. I think that is always going to be a work in progress. Um, so the first thing that happened was um, found a functional medicine doctor um, that's kind of like more about the wellness side than the uh, the illness side. And um, I really knew their stuff. And it was like, oh, from the blood work, it was like she read my mail. He's like, I bet you get really tired by like 11 a.m. every day. And it's like, yeah, no matter how much sleep I get, like I just got to go lay down and crash. And she's like, oh, well, you've like had so much stress and stuff. So anyway, um, like within a couple of weeks, I would just like was a new person. Um, and then since then, there's been several steps along the way of different therapies we've tried and stuff that have improved it and just getting in a better place with stress. But like, I'm not immune to it, right? We just, um, one thing, you know, everyone talks about recurring revenue, but it's kind of like being on a fixed income. And, um, so like when you, uh, you know, cash flow, it's same struggles until, you know, you get well into the profit margin or well into the profitable stage. Um, and we're trying to grow really aggressively and stuff. So yeah, there's definitely those times where you still get a little bit stressed, but yeah. I, one thing I love is like, nobody actually like starves to death in this country, right? <laughs> like, um, I've got to travel to a lot of places in the world where, you know, people aren't so lucky and like, no, like everything's going to be okay at the end. Um, you know, it gets tense, but, um, you don't actually know what's going to happen, but yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So uh, let's talk about then, um, setting boundaries. Um, how do you think about boundaries? You know, it's really easy for us as founders and entrepreneurs for work to bleed into everything. And you could think about this stuff all the time. How do you think about boundaries for yourself in terms of work and personal life and spending time with friends and family and all of those things? Um, 
I am terrible at it. <laughs> uh, so I don't know that I'm the right person to ask about setting boundaries, but what I have done is create frameworks that make the, the, the account for my inability to set boundaries. Okay. Right. Cause I kind of was raised like, you know, you work whenever it's time to work and um, <laughs> like on a farm, <laughs> if it's a tobacco farm in the great depression, you, you just work all the time. When the sun's up, that's <laughs> yeah, when you work. When exactly. the sun's down, you don't. Okay. <laughs> exactly. Um, and so, uh, I think that's another kind of intentional piece with Vidloft. Um, so, you know, we have this timer that runs on each project and stuff, but it just pauses from Friday night to Sunday night. Um, and that's part of our sales pitch. You know, you know that that's coming. Um, and uh, so I think you can kind of like build some of that in intentionally um, into the system. Uh, but still, I think uh, I like, so there's, um, Adam Grant says, you know, there's work-life um, balance kind of folks or work, work-life separatists and work-life integrators. Mm -hmm. um, and there's people that want to like work nine to five and go home and be done. And I'm very much an integrator. So I came in at, you know, nine 30 this morning cause I went for a little bit longer run and stuff this morning. And I like, I like that flexibility, but I may work later or, um, I worked over the weekend some, you know, so. Okay. Um, so, so you're not uh, like Friday at five, I'm done. I'm not thinking about it again until Monday morning at eight. No. And like, it's kind of like a little bit the environment that I was raised in, mm -hmm. um, like I grew up at my dad's office a lot of times. Um, and I kind of want to, I've got a three-year-old and I kind of want to raise him in that same environment of like, yeah, like this is just part of life. Yeah. Like, um, and why not? Um, like I spend more hours with my team here, waking hours than I do with my wife and family, you know? So like, right. I might as well like really enjoy the people that I'm working with and like be friends with them and that kind of yeah. stuff too. Yeah. So, um, okay. Let's talk about, uh, the things that you, you mentioned frameworks that you use uh, to do these boundaries. Are there any other systems or apps or technologies that you use to make work better for yourself or, or for the company in general? That's a great question. Um, yeah, I mean, nothing like unique. I think everything goes into Evernote for me. That's been my brain for yeah. 15 years. Um, I think, uh, yeah, I mean, G Suite and... I'm always looking for new apps and new technology, um, but it really is how you use it. Like, yeah, <laughs> you can do everything in a spreadsheet <laughs> <You know? laughs> at the end of the day. Right. Yeah. So there's nothing that jumps out to you like, oh, I, this is, if I didn't have this one thing, it would be a lot harder. Uh, when you phrase it like that, one thing we've done is have all of our customers, ideally in Slack um, or Teams, if they use that, um, and just that's how we do support. And so from day one, I wanted support to just be a conversation and it doesn't have to be a okay. filing a ticket and all that kind of stuff. And I'll get back to you three days later. It's like, Hey, if you're just even thinking about doing a video, just ask us, we've, we've done 10,000. We know like we've got right. some comps, we can send you some right. inspiration and stuff. Um, so you have your so, customers in with you. Yeah. So we have Slack. a Slack workspace, okay. um, not in with us. We have our own like internal one. Um, and then I, it's honestly a free account. Um, and so we've just got a private channel for each customer um, in there. And uh, or each organization, and, uh, and do you have anything where they talk to each other, the clients, since they're all in one? Slack it's in the plan. Group. We had it initially, but um, just not enough volume yet. I think um, there's so many things uh, running a product company. I didn't anticipate, um, and especially like a high high ticket price product company, you don't have as many customers. Uh, there's like so many community things that I want to do eventually, um, but. I think we have to get to the point where there's that tipping point where it's a critical mass yeah. uh, to not seem like an empty room. Yeah. Um, okay. 
I've been meaning to ask you this whole time because it's it's on my mind. We're we're filming this. Um, you've seen ten thousand. <laughs> That's a good idea. Um, we should uh, we should start interviewing some of our customers around the types of products that they're doing, um, and sharing that with other customers. So it doesn't have to be like a conversation, but it could just be one way. Yeah, that's a great way to do it when you're smaller. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Um, that was helpful. There you go. <laughs> Give you ideas during the the conversation itself. Um, okay, so you've done over ten thousand videos. You've probably seen people that have done really bad videos. What's the worst thing that somebody can do, and and an easy way to fix it? Like Ooh. easy advice to do better videos. <laughs> yeah, bad audio and shaky footage are just like a no-go. Um, so just make sure you have like an actual microphone and not just the on-camera thing. But I think at the same time, like uh, TikTok has certainly taught us that like you can get plenty of views on your iPhone. <laughs> um, and so if your content's good, we did a, a competition uh, between me and a friend uh, last year of doing YouTube shorts. And um, so I gave him some credits for free and was like, hey, you do shorts, I'll do shorts. We'll see who can get the um, most. And that was a real learning experience for me because I'm used to be like big corporate kind of, you know, uh, highly produced things. Uh, but just doing like daily videos and like, how do you think about that? So I think things like having a great hook, making sure like just if you stop for a second and stop thinking about like, what do I want to say in this video? And think about what would I want to watch in this video? Right. Totally different way to look at yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. So. Um, you, you mentioned shaky video. Is there an easy fix for that? Uh, yeah, shaky video? don't touch the camera. Put <laughs> like, <laughs> it on a tripod. Um, you know, if it's okay. a cell phone, get a cell phone holder or just prop it against something or whatever. Right. Um, or just if you're hand-holding it, just hand-hold it steady. You know, just think about that okay. um, while you're doing it. Um, I think lighting is another thing, but it doesn't have to, like we've just got the big window behind us right? Um, here, you know. And so I think like it doesn't, you don't have to spend a lot on these things. Yep. Um, and that was really my... So one of the biggest issues with video is people will make like a video. And that's like, um, you know, I hate sport, sports metaphors, but that's like trying to like hit a grand slam home run every time. And like, that's not a strategy. Yeah. Right? Like that's nice when it happens. Um, but like if you start, uh, can think about video is like, I have this business goal I want to achieve and I'm going to like incrementally get there and optimize these videos along the way to get to that goal, whether it's marketing, whether it's internal comms, like whatever it is, like one safety training video that everybody watches, nobody's going to remember what was said in it. But if you can like uh, just integrate it, little bits of content. So um, for our own training videos uh, for our customers, like Nick does two minute tips and they're like one to two minute videos, but they're consistent, you know, right? And you can like a little bit along the way, like learn and get better and improve. Um, and the nice thing about modularizing your content like that is when someone does have a question, you're able to just like go grab three from the library and say like, here's everything you need to know. And Got you can it. like build a course instantly. Yeah. Yeah. So consistency is a key, obviously, when you're doing, I mean, that's, I think, true in almost anything that you're doing entrepreneurial, but video yeah. as well, just being consistent. Absolutely. And, and it's a lot there. like running or something where like, if you just show up a few times a week, right? Um, then over time, all of a sudden, like it's painful and miserable at the beginning. And then all the time, over time, it just becomes second nature and easy. Yeah. It's just part of what you do. Um, so last question for you. Um, if you were talking to somebody who's thinking about starting a side hustle or a small business like you have, what advice would you give to them? I would try to see if you could skip the, uh, you know, I said the first one started with passion, the second one with intention. Like try and bring some of that intention into the first one. Right. But give yourself the, um, kind of the the space and the 
the grace to know that like if this is your first endeavor, like you're not going to get that intention from day one. Yeah. Um, and that if you don't, if you ever feel stuck, I think like so many entrepreneurs I talk to are really smart people. Uh, but if, so if they don't have the answer to something, that means they need more input from the outside. Mm-hmm. I think so often as entrepreneurs, we'll sit there and just beat ourselves up in like doom loop um, about trying to solve a problem or whatever. And it's not that like we're not smart enough to solve it. It's that we just need more input. Right. And so go talk to someone. Yeah. Um, fantastic advice, Daniel. Mm, thanks. If uh, our listeners want to find and connect with you online, where can they find you? Uh, vidloft.com. Yeah. Um, Daniel.Roberts of vidloft.com or um, uh, LinkedIn's another great place. Awesome. Thanks for being on today. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Side Hustle to Small Business podcast powered by Hiscox. To learn more about how Hiscox can help protect your small business through intelligent insurance solutions, visit Hiscox.com. That's H-I-S-C-O-X.com. And if you have a story you want to hear on this podcast, please visit hiscox.com slash share your story. I'm your host, Sanjay Parikh. You can find out more about me at my website, sanjayparikh.com.